Welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan. Tonight in the Spirit Guide Society, we had Brug Lottie in the house with Trent Simpson, tasting us through their incredible, legendary line of single malt scotches. We tried the Unpeated Lottie, the Octomore 8.1, an absolutely legendary Petey Petey Scotch, and several other marks in their incredible, legendary line. Check it out. You guys may have seen the name. You heard us pronounce it, but it, it's very long and complicated sound looking word, right? But just for our purposes, it is Brook Lottie. So this first CH is kind of like a K, and the second CH is silent. And Brook Lottie is a single malt distillery on the island of Isla, I-S-L-A-Y, Isla. Uh, so we're Brook Lottie from Isla. Everybody got that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, cool. Now that we got through the hard part, uh, we can continue with, with the easy part and start getting into the whiskey. Uh, but so founded in 1881, it was kind of open and closed throughout its history. Most notably, up until about 1994, uh, Brooklady was making unpeated single malt uh, to go into blends for a larger company. So it had closed down in 1994, kind of mothballed uh, as if it were... Uh, it, basically, the, the company that owned it at the time thought that this Victorian-era equipment was just basically inefficient. They had another island distillery that was making an unpeated single malt to go into one of their blends as well. Uh, so they thought that this distillery was kind of, you know, not, not necessarily producing the capacity that they wanted. And so they closed it down. Long story short, I won't bore you too much with history, we were able to reopen the distillery in 2001. There were four guys... Uh, two of them came a, from a wine merchant background. And then we had our master distiller at the time, Jim McEwen, who came uh, from a pretty legendary career over at the Bowmore Distillery right on the island of Isla, just across the Lock and Doll Bay. And then our uh, engineer uh, to kind of get the place back up and running. So as I said before, it was founded in 1881. It was this avant-garde distillery. It had been maintained as if it were that time period throughout its history, which is really, really awesome. Part of the reason why these guys wanted to reopen this distillery it was really integral to Isla. Uh, something that I found really, really interesting about Isla is that at one point it was it was a very booming island. You know, there were thirty thousand people that lived there. Now there's only about three thousand people that live there. There's thirty thousand sheep that live on the island too. So <laughs> you can imagine what that's like for the dating pool. But you know. <laughs> Ooh, all right, not too soon. All right, we gotta get the whiskey going. <laughs> All right, so since everybody has their first whiskey, you may have noticed this really beautiful kind of aqua blue bottle. Since we already know how to say it, Brooklotty, right? It's actually a Gaelic word that means a gentle slope to the sea. So this distillery was built right next to the, to the Lockendall Bay, right next to the ocean on the island of Isla. If you're familiar with Scottish geography, or if you're not, uh, it is an island just off the southwest coast of Scotland, very, very remote, very, very north. Uh, it is the first island in the islands uh, of the Hebrides, basically the islands that flank the west coast of Scotland. Um, Isla is an uh, island known for making whiskey. There's eight functioning distilleries on the island, soon to be nine, and they're, re and they're reopening two more by 2020. So pretty famous island for making whiskey. Isla whiskeys are usually known for making heavily peated whiskeys or smoky whiskeys. You have your kind of iconic distilleries like Laphroaig and Lagavulin, Ardbeg. 
the first whiskey that we're going to taste, actually the first three whiskeys that we're going to taste, are going to be unpeated. Uh, so as I talk a little bit more about the whiskey, feel free to nose it, smell it, taste it. I'm not going to take you through all those steps, um, but we will talk a little bit about the whiskey. So as I was mentioning, this aqua, this, this very kind of Tiffany blue, aqua blue bottle, uh, Brooklady means a gentle slope to the sea. So we do everything on the island. Uh, we age on the island. Uh, we're right next to the sea. So when the sun comes out, which is very seldom. You don't necessarily go to Scotland for the weather. Um, <laughs> I was actually just there a couple weeks ago, which was really phenomenal. It was kind of this right when spring came out, and we had two sunny days out of the whole week, which was just incredible. Uh, but the water um, right by the Loch Dal Bay actually does turn that color when the sun comes out on that rare occasion. So the reason why that, that sort of iconic blue bottle, uh, we wanted to pay homage to our proximity to the ocean and also pay testament to... Isla itself, and the fact that we age there, we bottle there, we're developing a, a community there at Brooklady. Uh, so with that, please, if you haven't already, take your first sip. What are you guys getting on the nose? Caramel. <laughs> Caramel? Hazelnut? Can anybody name another unpeated Isla, very hard to pronounce distillery? Which one? Banana Habana, yeah, uh, Buna Haven, Buna Haven, yes. Buna Haven is also similar. So. Kalila makes some peter too, right? All right, so just a few things about the whiskey now that we're all tasting it. Um, the, the core range, which is our, our classic Lottie, the one in our glass, the Isla Barley and the Port Charlotte, are all at 50% alcohol, 50% ABV. We want to make a natural whiskey, an unchill filtered whiskey. You guys all familiar with uh, what non-chill filtered whiskey is versus chill filtered a little bit? Some people know, maybe not so much. Uh, I'll, I'll give a quick rundown just, just for those of you that don't know. But uh, basically, uh, chill filtered is a, is a process that kind of larger distilleries or a lot of distilleries will do in order to bring their whiskey down to a lower proof. So if it's bottled at 40 or 43% alcohol, um, they do a process called chill filtering. If you ever make a chicken soup or something like that, you put it in the fridge overnight. When you when you bring it back out, you kind of have that layer of fat at the top. Imagine if you did the same thing with whiskey. You take your whiskey, you cool it down, and all those kind of essential oils, that sort of fat of the whiskey rises to the top. They would filter that out so they can add more water, so they can bottle at a lower um, ABV. Because at, after about, at about 46%, which is sort of the my sort of consumer bartender hack uh, is where um, it will start turning cloudy in the glass. So if you do have a dram of, of Brooklady uh, and, and you put ice in it or, or add a little water to it, it might get a little bit cloudy. But we don't want to filter out those essential oils. We want to leave those in there because if you taste this whiskey, you get a little bit of a rich, thicker mouthfeel. It's kind of like uh, if you had a steak is always the good example, too. You don't want something super lean. You want that fat in there. That's your flavor in that fat. So you want that perfectly marbled steak. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so we can do uh, – this is, this is maybe not the best uh, room to do it, but uh, we, do, we do what we call a, a band of gold uh, trick. So if you actually can put your uh, finger in the whiskey – and then if you can see, it's kind of hard to see back there, but that, that drop of whiskey won't drop off of my finger. 
Whereas if you add water to a whiskey, then it would just drop right off. So another way to talk, you know, tell and kind of check the viscosity and whatnot. But for me, it's it's that rich, that thicker mouthfeel. I was a bartender for over 10 years before I had this job. And uh, I started gravitating towards these these whiskeys. And, and I didn't necessarily know what it was about them until I figured out it was this non-chill filter. And so that's when I learned that that 46% and above is is kind of the, the sort of breaking point for, for non-chill filtered whiskeys, which to me just creates a much better quality and character. But that's not the only thing that, that gives all of our whiskeys this unique quality and character to it. So we're, we're talking today about single malt whiskey. Four ingredients that go into making single malt whiskey. Barley, water, yeast, and thyme, right? Thyme or wood or oak, however you want to call that fourth ingredient. So I had a question here uh, while we were passing out the second uh, whiskey. So he noticed a little bit of smoky flavor, a little smoky characteristic on this whiskey. That, uh, and even though this is unpeated, where do we get the smoke from? Uh, the, the best answer that I can give, so even though we're talking about you know, 100% malted barley, we don't add any smoke to the barley in the malting process for, for the unpeated whiskeys. If you do get smoke, it's probably from the barrel. So with the classic body, we're using about 70% first fill bourbon casks. So that's basically the first, uh, they, they were bourbon, but in the United States, you can only use a new American oak cask. So a lot of the Scotch whiskey companies will buy those casks afterwards. Um, with at Brooklady, we use about seventy for the classic Glady, About seventy percent is first fill bourbon cask, and then the other thirty percent is sort of a, a myriad of uh, European wine, whether it's French red wine or Spanish red wine, and then maybe five to ten percent of a sweeter uh, dessert wine, like a Sauterne or a Riesling or something like that. We are very transparent with everything that we do at Brooklady. Uh Something that's that's really cool and that, that we're pioneering. There's there's a five digit code. On, on the bottle, uh, on the, the bottom of every bottle of the Classic Lottie. If you go to the website and kind of click through to the Classic Lottie and, and put it in to the, that says Lottie Recipe, you can put that code in and see everything that went into this bottle, which is really, really cool. Um, so say there were 14 casks distilled in 2017 of uh, organic Scottish barley aged in first fill American oak, and eight casks of Ribera del Duero, Spanish red wine, you know, distilled in 2009. So generally it's about a seven-year seven minimum to about 11-year-old whiskey. And then one other thing about Brooklady in general is we're using 100% Scottish barley across the board. So it may not seem too exciting. Hopefully for some of you, barley is exciting, but <laughs> I know for me it is. <laughs> um, so I'll, another thing, you know, we talk a little bit about larger distilleries and whatnot, but... Uh, you know, larger, larger distilleries and bigger companies, they, they see barley more as a commodity. Uh, they want to buy it on the open market uh, just for, to get as much yield for as little cost as possible because they don't necessarily think that that will add flavor to the whiskey in the long run. We are kind of on the complete other side of that. We all live in California. Uh, we can, you know, go to the farmer's market. We have amazing uh, produce here. And I hope that you can agree that if you go to the farmer's market, you buy really delicious, beautiful, in-season ingredients, it'll make a better meal in the end. Uh, so we wanted to take that concept with, with the raw ingredient, you know, that being mainly barley, 
and say that barley does matter in the final end of it. And so that's something that we're going to explore kind of throughout the night, but especially with this next whiskey. I know you're all excited to, to get into it. Um, but this is our 2010 Isla Barley uh, expression. And so this is really fun to kind of taste these side by side. So we're using 100% Scottish barley across the board. With this one, we're actually using nine farms that grew barley for us on the island of Isla. It's a project that we started, uh, you know, it's kind of difficult to convince the first farmer to grow barley for us. Uh, but once we did, we, you know, we got one, then we got a few more. Now we have 19 farms <coughs> that grow barley for us, specifically for our whiskey production. They hadn't grown barley on Isla since World War I, but it's actually a really, really great climate to grow barley in. You know, there's uh, kind of a small area, the, the UK and even uh, maybe Washington and Oregon have really good barley growing climates. Uh, so why not use 100% Scottish barley? And then why not take that one step further and bring this close to home? You know, whiskey is a product of its place. So why not cultivate the barley that we're going to use in our whiskey? Uh, so if you guys want to have a nose, if you hadn't already, shout out some maybe similarities, some differences that you get on the nose. Buttery. Butterscotch. That's it for me. A little sweeter, a little butter. Butterscotch. I think it's, it's only you guys in Kilhoman that are doing, like, Isla source stuff. Exactly. Do you guys yeah. share that with other people? Um, <laughs> I mean, well, share, like, uh, farms, if you will? Or so, do they each, so the, the question was, so... The so question, guys. There's only, uh, so Kilhoman, which we like to call our sister distillery, it's a very small distillery, just actually right on the Rockside Farm, which is, um, there's some of the Rockside Farm barley in this whiskey, uh, which is really cool. Um, do we share barley with, with other distilleries? Um, so we have contracts with, with the farmers, but they're not sort of exclusive. <laughs> if other distilleries wanted to buy barley, they probably could. Uh, but I don't, you know, as far as, as far as I know, they're not really interested in that, uh, which, you know, we're, we're doing what we're doing because we want the industry to change. But if, if it doesn't change, then, you know, hopefully we can do this kind of one tasting at a time and, you know, I mean, I love everything that Kilhoman's doing, and they're, you know, have, having, they acquired the Rockside Farm, and so they're able to do more of, like, an, an estate whiskey, uh, which is phenomenal as well. So we just want to make, we want to get high-quality whiskey, high-quality ingredients, you know, whiskey of provenance, a whiskey of its place. You know, I think that's really, really important. So uh, I'll let you guys be the judge on, on how that results to the flavor and the style of whiskey that, that you guys like, but... I think that it really makes a beautiful whiskey. So, how about the uh, how about the palate? You guys, that 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 kind of buttery, that sort of creaminess translate through on the palate. A little bit of a kind of salinity aspect to it. To it. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely different from the. Yeah, from you get this kind of like. It's like a, it's a sweet maritime. Uh, For sure. Yeah, one of those. Um, my favorite tasting notes was salted buttered popcorn. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, um, and, I, and I find that kind of unique, especially kind of across the board with other Isla Barley expressions. Uh, we do every, every single expression that we make. So the, the Brook Lottie is always unpeated. The Port Charlotte is our heavily peated, but we have a 
Port Charlotte Isla Barley. And then the Octomore has its Isla Barley also. The 8.3, the .3 series of the Octomore is always Isla Barley. Even, even furthermore, coming from the Octomore farm. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We don't have that to taste tonight. But uh, this year, I don't know if you guys, the kind of fans of Brooklady, um, we released an organic whiskey. Um, so all the barley came from uh, two organic farms on the mainland of Scotland. And then we also released a, uh, it's called Bear Barley, uh, B-E-R-E, -E, uh, which is really, really cool. It's actually an ancient strand of barley. It's thousands of years old. It was brought over to Scotland uh, by the Vikings, um, you know, back in sort of around 1000 BC or so. And this, this barley strand is, has maintained and, and, and lived throughout its history. And we were able to kind of grow barley uh, on Isla, or grow beer barley on Isla for about four years, but it actually does much better on Orkney, the, the north, uh, very north island of, of Scotland. And so the, the release that we just did is a, a beer barley that was actually grown on the Dunlossett farm, which is one of the farms in this whiskey as well. Uh, so really, really cool expression. Uh, it's got just really beautiful kind of vegetal, earthy, almost some clovey kind of notes to it, but Historical, historically, a, a cool whiskey. That was probably one of the first barley that they were using to make whiskey out of. And also flavor profile-wise as well. So there's doing different, a lot of different things with barley that you'll see uh, regional trials um, growing the same strand of barley in four different regions of, of Scotland, um, but also doing Isla barley and, and different, different varietals in, on Isla as well. Um, so it's a six-year-old whiskey with all of our Isla Barley expressions. Uh, we, we do six-year-old and a, a Brooklady 100% of uh, First Fill American Oak casks. Um, so the barley was harvested in 2009, dried. Uh, we distilled it in 2010, six years in, in First Fill American Oak casks. Um, so it was released kind of at the end of 2016. It got here in 2017 or so. And um, so the 2011... Should be coming out in the next three or months or so. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It's always fun to track those those as well. So we age everything on the island. Uh, we have d uh, warehouses right at the distillery. We built a few new warehouses right by the Octomore Farm, which is in between uh, the distillery and the little town called Port Charlotte. And then everything that we age that's that's under the Port Charlotte label is aged at uh, the Port Charlotte. Uh, it used to be a distillery that we actually own the land there as well, but that's where we age all of our Port Charlotte. So within three kilometers of the distillery, everything is aging there on the islands all the time. So that's where you get a little bit more extra of that maritime influence, that kind of sea salt air that sort of percolates into the, into the whiskey as well. Something that's uh, hopefully a good segue into aging and maturation and whatnot. Um, as I mentioned before, we... The distillery had closed down in 1994. We reopened it in 2001. Let's just say maybe one-fifth of the purchase price was for the actual distillery because they didn't think it was really worth anything. It wasn't, you know, it was this old, you know, Victorian-era distillery. No computers had to be hand-operated. It was, you know, hard to maintain, which is one of the reasons why we love it. But the other four-fifths of the purchase price were for this back stock of whiskey. As I said, they were producing unpeated single malt to go into blend. So uh, the whiskey in your glass is called the Black Art. This is distilled in 1990. 
It's a 23-year-old whiskey, uh, so a really special treat for you guys tonight. Just as a, as a gauge of what he was talking about with buying the backstock, when the distillery was purchased, it was for $58 million. That's how much, so... But we have whiskey up until, I think, 1968 or 1969. Um, and then up until, I believe, 1994 or so. Um, so another, another thing to think about, those of you that are big fans, uh, we released three whiskeys this year called the Old and Rare series. It was a 1984, uh, 1985, and a 1986 um, uh, vintages. And they each had their own little um, uh, sort of spin to them. The 1984 was, was uh, first filled bourbon cask. 1985 had a sort of, uh, I'd say, Bordeaux um finish to it, Bordeaux wine cask finish to it, and the 1986 was a, a sherry cask finish. Just really, really incredible whiskeys, 30 and 32 years, kind of between the, the three of those, um, but really, really phenomenal whiskeys as well. But anyways, back to what's in our glass, uh, the black art. Um, so when Brook Lottie opened in 2001, hopefully we all know, does anybody know how long by law scotch, single malt scotch has to be aged? Three years, yeah. And so as, as we've seen with our Isla Barley, that's a minimum of, or that's six years. With the Classic Lottie, that's seven years. Um, so we started distilling in 2001, but we also had this back stock of whiskey. And like, as I mentioned before, two of, the, two of the gentlemen came from a wine merchant background. So as they started distilling whiskey again, they said, hey, Jim McEwen was our master distiller at the time take this older whiskey and, and bring it back to life, you know, give it new life with these incredible wine casks, you know, uh, Grand Cru Bordeaux casks, some of the, you know, finest houses in the world, Chateau uh, Lafitte, Mouton Rothschild, Halbrion, you know, these kind of iconic wine, wine makers and, you know, wine casks that we had access to, uh, Barolo casks, uh, you know, nice Spanish red wine casks, Sauterne casks, really, really beautiful casks from all around the world. So please, if you haven't already, hopefully you've been nosing it as I've been kind of hopefully not boring you, but chatting about the, the history of the, of the black art. What do you guys uh, what do you guys get on the nose here? Strawberries, apples. So a little more fruit forward. So something good to mention, which which expression of black art is this? This is the black art four. More or less every year, uh, we've, we've released a Black Art, you know, sorry, Black Art 1 and going forward. Uh, this, is, this is Black Art 4. It was released uh, 2016, I believe. Uh, this is Jim McEwen's last uh, release for Brook Lottie before he retired. <laughs> um, and there is Black Art 5 is available now. Um, so it's a little more limited release. That's our first release from our new head distiller, Adam Hannett. Uh, really, really incredible whiskey. It's a 1992 vintage, 24-year-old. Uh, so a lot of similar complexity to this. I know when I taste this, I just, or, I mean, I could nose this much for an hour and a half and, and still be happy. Uh, but when you when I drink it, it just has this incredible long lingering finish to it. Uh, you know, rich, a lot of citrus kind of, you know, notes to it, uh, but also kind of richer, deeper, deeper flavors. This is one of my favorite whiskeys in the world. I was saying if I'm allowed to choose a whiskey that's that's a little bit higher price, this would probably be my Desert Island bottle. 
Um, <laughs> nothing against the classic Lottie. If I have to choose a whiskey under $60, I would definitely choose the classic. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy that. And any, any questions about the black art that I might... the scheduled release? Is every... Uh, we, yeah, we usually try to release it, I'd say, around September or so, yeah. so that it actually gets to the here by the holidays. Every year? But, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's, that's, it's not an exact science yeah. with, with any of it, so. All right, you guys ready to move into uh, peated whiskey? Yes. Yeah? All right. <laughs> Clean glass. Enough with the unpeated. Bigger pours. Yay. So, I heard some enthusiasm. We're ready to move into heavily peated whiskey. So, uh, in your glass is the Port Charlotte Scottish Barley. So, this is... Just a really beautiful whiskey. It's it's when we when we talk about peat, uh, we measure peat in um, uh, ppm or phenol parts per million. Um, this seems like a pretty educated group, but is everybody familiar with like what peat is and what peated whiskeys are? Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. So we won't need to go completely into that unless you want me to. But uh, basically, when you malt when you malt the barley, you have to uh, wet the barley. So that it, it sprouts, you want to start converting the, the starches into sugars. And then you have to, but you don't want to turn it completely into a plant. So you have to stop that process. Uh, so traditionally, they would burn peat, which is a uh, basically decomposing earth material. It's uh, found widely in, in Isla and Scotland. Uh, but it's a fuel source. You would, you would heat your houses. You could heat the stove with it. Uh, but you can also dry the barley uh, with it. And so that peat smoke would dry the barley, but it would also flavor the barley with that, that smoky characteristic, which would in turn flavor the whiskey. And so that was, you know, kind of a more traditional way of doing it. And now has become, uh, you know, a very iconic style of whiskey, especially for, for Isla whiskeys. Um, when we taste, when we nose the Port Charlotte, and especially when we go to taste it, those of you that are familiar with other Isla whiskeys, hopefully you'll notice a little bit of a different kind of smoky characteristic to it. With Port Charlotte, we're trying to make a really balanced whiskey. Uh, you know, a little more of that smoke, that campfire smoke, that barbecue smoke, rather than that really intense kind of briny, sort of iodine-y smoke uh, that you get from, from some of the other Isla, Isla whiskeys. Nothing against those flavor profiles. I, they're just, for me, I, I enjoy this kind of smoky characteristic. I think it's got a little bit more sweetness to it. One of the reasons why we taste the classic Lottie first is the DNA of everything that we do at the Brookline Distillery. You really get those kind of stone fruit notes, uh, those sort of light salted honey kind of notes to it that really come through in the Port Charlotte, even when we get into the Octomore as well. Uh, so you guys all have a nose, have a taste? Anything jump at you flavor profile wise? It's like roasted sweet corn. Roasted sweet corn. Roasted peanuts. A little bit of a nutty characteristic. Barbecue, for sure. I get a lot of barbecue on there. Uh, similar kind of cask makeup as the classic Lottie. It's going to be about 70% of that first fill bourbon cask. And then uh, we do a, sort of a myriad of, of, of European wine cask as well. So uh, you might get some fruit notes from some of those red wine casks and whatnot. Huh. I got a question. This might be a stupid question. 
So I'm thinking about like the whole ecology of the whole like peat moss. What's the peat moss scenario? Is are there on a shortage? Are they running through? Or is it just like there? It's everywhere, and there's going to be none running out for the next hundred years. Uh, good question. So. For those of you who didn't hear it in the back, kind of, what's the scenario for for peat moss? And are we at a shortage? Are we running out? Or is it gonna last? So, um, I was just there, and um, oh, side note. So, uh, Brooklotti will actually make a gin at the at the whiskey um, distillery. It's called the Botanist Gin. Um, really good. <laughs> and so we actually, so the the original story of the botanist, there were there were two botanists that lived next door to the our master distiller Jim McEwen. And he basically em employed them to go around and pick a, a terroir, if you will, of the island. Um, 22 hand-forged botanicals that go into the botanist. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little off track. But right. we got it. We had, um, so they were they were actually trying to retire on Isla. And, you know, they, they happened to move in next door to our master distiller, which was, I don't know if you want to call that fortunate or unfortunate for them as far as retirement goes. But now they've finally retired and we hired a new botanist. He's an incredible guy, but he took us around Isla, and we went to a peat bog, and so we learned all about peat. And you know, if, if I can give you guys my my contact information later, but there's a whole rabbit hole of of what peat is and yeah. and, and whatnot. Um, but basically, there is definitely not a shortage of it. Uh, if we were to, <laughs> as, as far as for whiskey production, there's a lot of. Uh, protected peatlands uh, or wetlands that are that are where peat bogs are. But uh, as far as for whiskey production, um, if we were to continue using as much peat as we are for for the whiskey production, there's going to be about another thirty thousand years of of peat. And by that point, you know, peat is about eight yeah. to twelve thousand years old, at least the stuff that we're using. So it would be, I guess, in a sense, a sustainable resource. <laughs> um, there are there are some other papers and and varying differing opinions out there but as far as the impact that the whiskey production is making on peat it's it's very very minimal so we're not we're not really at a shortage so drink up <laughs> tell your friends what's the what's the abv on this uh 50% so yeah this is this is part of our core range which is at 50% uh the black art is at uh, cast strength, uh, which is 49.2%. Uh, so I have a question for you. So because sure. of the span of your production is, you know, Brooklady, also Port Charlotte, Octomore, would you say that you employ the most people on the island right now? Yeah, actually, uh, phenomenal question. We are the largest private employer on the island. Um, so we employ... I think 91 people as, as far as the last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you know, just to think about it, it's a it's an island of, of 3,000 people. Um, and and even if you if you take into account uh, Diageo, which has uh, three or two distilleries plus Port Ellen, the malting facility there, um, I think they only employ between all all of their. Um, I think they're about 54 people. Wow. So uh, it just goes to show that, you know, by by doing everything on the island and, and having this sort of hand-operated distillery, we're, we're really committed to not only community, but making great whiskey and, and really focused on, you know, cultivating that that sense of, of community for the island. Um, and that, that's really important. One of the, one of the main reasons why... They wanted to reopen that this distillery, you know, not only to make good whiskey, but also to really give um, 
a lot of opportunity for for natives of the island and whatnot. And it, and I've seen it too. Even I've been with the company for for three years, but um, the the farmer at the Octomore Farm, which is the next whiskey that we're gonna taste, uh, his his niece was actually the original global brand ambassador. Um, another another one of the farmer's daughters. She's now a brand ambassador in Singapore. Uh, you know, it's 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 just been incredible. Our our head distiller Adam Hannett. Uh, you know, he was he worked he started out in the in the shop. Um, our production manager Alan Logan, when they reopened the distillery, he was a painter. He showed up to paint, and now he's probably the most uh, you know incredibly knowledgeable and passionate person about about the whiskey so you know just gave all all these people uh, a lot of opportunities so it's a really really cool story and and you know not only that but also good whiskey i hope so <laughs> coming so, around with the last one all right so the octomore how many of you had have either heard ha, have heard of octomore before okay nice awesome uh and and how many of you have had the octomore yeah about the same amount Okay, so for those of you that don't know, uh, the Octomore is our, basically one night where, you know, by Brook Lottie was is a distillery that's known for making, you know, our classic Lottie's unpeated uh, whiskey. But, you know, we come from Isla, Isla being known for making very, very, very heavily peated whiskeys. So the Octomore is kind of a product of maybe a night in the warehouse, maybe a couple drams, um, <laughs> of qu asking the question, uh, what if, what if we made the most heavily peated whiskey in the world. Uh, but not only that, you know, we want to make the most heavily peated whiskey in the world, but we want to make a good whiskey, a balanced whiskey. Um, you know, not just not just to do it to do it. You know, we want to do it so that it's delicious. Uh, but so the Octomore is known as the most heavily peated whiskey in the world when we measure it by uh, PPM. We talked a little bit about that uh, with Port Charlotte. Uh, Port Charlotte's at 40 PPM or phenol parts per million. It's some scientific... Uh, term that, that's that's how we measure it but they take that measurement uh, uh right after the malting process but before you mash it ferment it distill it and age it so a lot can happen in between those just for reference uh when we talk about other uh some other distilleries like lafroig and lagavulin they're around 35 to 40 ppm uh, i think ardbeg is uh, about 50 to 55 ppm or so uh the octomore uh, this one that we're going to taste today is the 8.1. It is 167 ppm. So. I think for relation, I think the Ardbeg Supernova is at 100 ppm. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the closest. Exactly. That's the, that's the closest. So across the board, Octomore is the most heavily peated whiskey. Uh, the Octomore 8.3, which is our Isla Barley expression, of the of the, the Octomore series, actually, all the barley grows in the Octomore farm, which is right next to the Brooklady Distillery, is 309 ppm. So I know I was just talking to a lady here, and, and she said that that she had it, and, and the gentleman here has had it before. If you haven't had it, it's a really really incredible dram. Um, so that's the highest we've ever done, the most heavily peated whiskey in the world. But not nothing to you know shy away from this. However, having said that. And hopefully you guys have had a nose. Do you guys get a lot of smoke on the nose? Yeah, right? Really, really, um, what's the right word? Sort of elusive in a sense, or, or misleading the nose, I feel like. Especially understanding that this is Octomore. Why am I getting so much 
you know, vanilla or sweetness, kind of like birthday cake frosting and marshmallows and whatnot on it. Yeah. Uh, but then when you taste it, you definitely, you do get the smoke. It's kind of this plume of smoke in the, in the back palate. All right, so how do we do it? Is that a good... <laughs> um, the best way that I like to describe the Octomore and, and sort of the, the process behind it is if you ever um, cook like a pork belly or, or a pork shoulder or something, uh, low and slow, right? Low and slow, it's a lot of flavor over time. We're basically doing the same thing in the peating process with, with the Octomore. Uh, you know, and, and part of the reason why these the, the PPM levels are different every time is because this is a it's a very hands-on process. I was fortunate enough to go to our malting facility and actually talk with the guys and see how they did it. Um, you know, it could be a different guy. The weather conditions could be very different, whatnot. But essentially, we're doing this, uh, the, the peeing process over a four to five day period. Um, so very, very long time. You know, lots of peat, lots of smoke. That, that really, the barley can really absorb that. But it's also a cold smoke. Um, so that you're not actually roasting the barley you're not you're not really like you know if you if you cook it fast you get that you kind of singe it you you compromise the sweetness of the barley um you know i think some of the larger distilleries do it six to eight hours or eight to 14 hours i've read you know for some of those other distilleries so think about 14 hours versus four days you know it's a big difference uh, so that's where we can get those phenols really high but also maintain that integrity of, of the barley when we go to distillation. It still has that sweetness. And you guys are malting it yourself and peating it yourself? Uh, right. So we actually use a malting facility called Baird's um, that's in Inverness. Okay. Uh, we uh, The only malting facility on Isla is called Port Ellen. It's owned by Diageo, and it's very, very big. Plus, they wouldn't really let us use it at the start. So. <laughs> <laughs> there are hopes to be able to do malting. That's the only piece of the puzzle that we don't do on Isla, but um, it's it, they're, they've been an incredible partner from the start. You know, Like I said, it was just four guys that kind of called up their buddies and got the money together to, to start this distillery. So you know, they were able to you know, kind of float us a few batches, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was great. So we have a very, very strong relationship with them. And we also have an exclusive contract with them to that. They will, they're the only, or they'll only do the Octomore malt for, uh, Brooklotti. So they can, they can try, but <laughs> you guys all have a chance to taste it. This is also, so yeah, yeah. So another thing to note about the Octomore, all right, so three reasons why this whiskey on paper will be scary or undrinkable. It's 167 ppm. It's cast strength at 59.3. And normally Octomores are, are five years old. This Octomore is actually eight years old. So this is, this is the 8.1. Uh, we just decided that because it's eight and it's Octomore, we should make it eight years old. Just seemed like we might as well put three eights in there. Um, but... If you're like me, hopefully you enjoy it. It's a beautifully, it's elegant, it's smooth, it's delicious in the glass. Has a nice long lingering finish. You can get you get a lot of the barley notes from it. Uh, you get the smoke as well, but you also get some of those, you know, everything that we tasted tonight. Some of those kind of, uh, you know, grilled peaches and apricot notes to it. A lot of that sweetness from the barley as well. So, great finish. To the flight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess. Um, Does anyone else have any questions? What kind of what kind of barrels 
is used are used for for Baltimore um, this particular one in general. So this okay yeah that's a good question. Um, so he's asking what kind of barrels do we use for the Octomar? So, and, and you may also have a question about the, the point series. So there's been 7.1, there's yeah. 6.3, there's you know all these all these renditions of Octomore that sound like iPhones and, and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is Octomore 8.1. The the point one series is always gonna be Scottish barley. So like I said, we use 100 percent Scottish barley in all of our products, and that's gonna be a you know relatively hundred percent. Uh, first bill American oak cast, so ex-bourbon casks. Uh, the point two is going to be a duty-free release. Um, so if you guys ever travel abroad, duty-free stores, they want something exclusive that you can only pick up there. And so that's, uh, we also make the Lottie 8, and then sometimes a unique, like an older whiskey, like a, I think it's a, a 1990 sherry cask. Uh, but they, they have a different kind of wine finish on the point two. Um, so it's, whether it's a Cote de Rhone or, um, you know, Italian wine finish or a German Riesling finish or something like that. Uh, the point two series is always a little bit different. The point three, uh, is our Octomore, uh, barley farm. And then, uh, the 8.3 is aged in three different types of French red wine cask, or well, it's it's finished in three different types of, of French red wine casks. You have a Burgundy, a uh, a Rhone Valley, and uh, and a Bordeaux finish to it. So wow. has this really unique. You get a little bit of nice kind of red fruit notes to it. The color gets a little bit more red. You get a little bit of that kind of tannic note that comes from from the red wine cask as well. So um, and then the point four, hopefully something that. We released for the first time last year the 7.4. Uh, it was a, a virgin oak cask, and we're releasing an 8.4, I think, as far as I know, hopefully in, in May, in the next month or so, but if it doesn't show up exactly on time. Then, <laughs> um, but, but hopefully very soon the 8.4 will be coming out, and that's another virgin cask uh, release as well. So always something fun coming out with, with the Brooklyn Distillery. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time. I know there's you know a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs> <laughs>